and we greatly appreciate that. Thank you so much for being here. Today's a big day in the life of our church. Today we are celebrating the history of First Baptist Church of Ridley Park and our partnership together. Um, this is long overdue. On Sunday, April 5th of 2020, you guys remember 2020? Sunday, April 5th of 2020, we had planned to do a special time of celebration, talking about the partnership between our two churches, celebrating this partnership, but uh, something got in the way of that intended celebration, and I don't need to tell you what that was, I think you all know, but as the saying goes, better late than never. And so I'm not claiming to be a historian here, but I'm going to attempt to share some information with you that I think you'll be interested in about the history of First Baptist Church of Ridley Park and how this partnership came to be. Now, at first glance, this might seem like a unique arrangement, right? You've got an American Baptist congregation and a non-denominal congregation finding a way to work together. But actually, this isn't that unique. All across the country, and in fact, right here in our community, we are seeing more and more of this type of thing, of congregations minimizing their denominational affiliations and working together, finding common ground, working together for the common good for the sake of Jesus Christ. And so it's a pleasure to be a part of something like this right here in our little corner of Delaware County. A few years ago, actually at this point, several years ago, I, uh, I met a Presbyterian pastor, and she found that I was a pastor, and so she was asking me about our church. She said, oh, well, what denomination are you guys? And I kind of sheepishly said, well, you know, we're, we're non-denominational, but you can think of it as all denominational, because as long as you're Christian, we invite everybody. And I was kind of sheepish about my reply, because there was a certain response I was used to getting from denominational pastors, right? A certain response. And when I said, oh, well, we're non-denominational, it's kind of that, oh, Oh, one of those. You know, that kind of thing. You know what I mean by that? Like, oh, that's not real, you know? <laughs> but I was pleasantly surprised by this Presbyterian pastor because when I told her, when I explained, you know, we're not really affiliated with the denomination, she said, oh, so you're just Christians then? I'm like, yeah, we're just Christians. It's just that simple, isn't it? Just Christians. Now, I grew up going to a Methodist church, and so for me, growing up in a Methodist church, that was my normal. That was my only point of reference for what church is and what church is supposed to be. And I do remember those occasions, you know, being a teenager and like visiting somebody else's church, whether it was Protestant or Catholic, and going in and thinking, whoa, this is weird. They stand up at different times. They sing different songs, right? Have you had that experience? Any of you that grew up in a church setting where you visit somewhere else? And everybody says the Lord's Prayer, and you're being very loud, and you say it wrong. Did you, did you ever have that experience? I've had that. You're the one saying, forgive us for our trespasses, and everybody else is saying, that is like, oh, don't look at me, anybody, right? And so there's little things like, well, why are we doing things differently? And it's okay to do things differently. But as a teenager, I just kept, you know, I, I couldn't help but wonder, why do we have, why do we have so many different denominations? I mean, why can't Christians just be Christians? I don't know. Maybe I was just being naive. Maybe I'm still naive. I don't know. I still wonder that. Why can't, why, can't, why can't Christians just be Christians? We're allowed to like things differently, and we're allowed to like different styles of preaching, and we're allowed to like different types of music, and we're allowed to like different types of worship. That's fine, but why can't Christians just be Christians? And for all of you who are not Christians, from the outside looking in, haven't you asked that question? Why can't Christians just be Christians? Why can't they all just get along together? 
And for so many people, that's one of those things that keeps them from exploring Christianity. It's like you look at all the, the division. At least it seems like division. And it's just, it becomes kind of one of those road barriers. Like those Christians can't even get along with each other, right? I don't know. I don't know. Why does there have to be so many denominations? Why can't we just be Christians? Now, again, I'm going to give you this disclaimer one more time that I'm not claiming to be a historian. All right? I'm going to attempt to give you some history. I'm not a historian. I'm one of these people that loves history. Anybody else love history? Anybody show hands? Right. I love it. I can't remember any of it. My retention is like, poof. But I love hearing about it, and I'm fascinated by it to learn how things came to be. So let me take you back in time, all the way back to the year 1830. In the year 1830, a group of Christians, a group of people who believe in Jesus as their Lord and Savior, began to meet in the home of William Trites. Does that name Trites ring a bell for anybody? This is Trites Avenue, like just a few blocks from us. Is it the next block up? It's like the next block up from, oh, sorry, I'm having a private conversation with my wife. There's a Trites Avenue that, run, you guys know, it, runs through Norwood. That's that Trites family. And so a group of Christians began meeting in the home of William Trites, um, and so where, where he lived was, uh, do you know where the, this is very Delco of me, do you know where the Exxon station used to be on Chester Pike, right? It's right across from the Rite Aid that used to be a Texaco. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like that corner back there? So William Trites, he owned a lot of property, not just where the old gas station, but a lot of property in that area. And so in 1830, a group of Christians began meeting in the home of William Trites, and among those in attendance was a 21-year-old man named William Hall, and William Hall is credited as being the spiritual leader of this group. And so this group started to meet as some kind of a, maybe we would call it a small group, maybe we would call it a community group, maybe we would call it a Bible study, but it was a group of Christians meeting together. So they met together, and as they continued to meet, the purpose of this group became quite clear. This group decided that they needed to plant a church right here, right here in this community, what we now refer to as the Ridley and area. If you've been around Hope Community Church for a while, you've heard me use that terminology. This is the Ridley and area. This is our piece of geography right here. And so this group of people that met back in 1830, they said, we need to plant a church right here. And it's specifically recorded in history that the intention of this group was to plant a gospel church a gospel church. You know that word gospel? That word gospel is a very churchy word. That word gospel means good news. And so the intention of, and I want to be clear about this. Uh, first, let's explain the gospel. Gospel is this message of what God has done for us. That God in his love for us sent Jesus into this world, sent his one and only son into this world to die on the cross for our sins. And then everyone who puts their trust in Jesus as opposed to trusting in themselves will receive the gift of eternal life. That's, that's the gospel message. And so this group of Christians decided we need to plant a gospel church. What that means is they didn't decide we need to plant a church, start up a church for Christian people. No, no, no. They wanted to start a church for people who had not yet been exposed to the message of the gospel. It wasn't about let's plant a church for Christians. It's like let's plant a church for people who aren't yet Christians to expose them to the gospel. That's a gospel church. There have been many different terms used over the centuries to describe this type of church. Back in the 1830s, gospel church. More recently, you may have heard the term evangelical, evangelical church with the intention of reaching new people. Of course, that term has kind of been hijacked and made something political, so we'll kind of just move past this part. There are other terms more recently, like a mission church. 
a mission church. Have you heard that terminology? The church that goes out on a mission to reach new people. More recently, even, there's the term missional, to be a missional church, engaging in the mission of God. All these terms roughly mean the same thing. Hope Community Church, we are a missional church, but you can call us a gospel church. You can call us evangelical if you want. You can call us a mission church. It's the same concept, same idea. And so in 1830, this group decided we need to do this very thing. And on December 19th of 1830, this group that had been meeting in the home of William Trites, they officially became what we would call a home church. They became a home church made up of 12 members. Now, eight of those members were formerly from Blockley Baptist Church in Philadelphia. You had two members from Brandywine Baptist Church in Chadsford. You had one member of this home church who used to belong to Marcus Hook Baptist Church. Can anybody guess where Marcus Hook Baptist Church was? Marcus Hook, you got it. Very good. And then to round out that number of 12, you had one person who was from the community that became a believer, that became a Christian based on the sharing of the gospel of this group of 11. So you had 12 people in that home church setting. Now, you might be wondering, well, here we go. You got some members from a church in Philadelphia, some members of a church in Chad's Ford, some members of a church in Marcus Hook. Those communities aren't too far away. Why don't they just stick with their own churches if they want to be a part of a church? We have to remember, this is before the automobile even existed, let alone mass-produced, right? And so what we had here, listen, if you're, if you're from Delco, if you're a lifelong Delco resident like I am, we know there are church buildings all over the place, right? I mean, you can drive down some streets and there's a church on either side of the street. But back in 1830, that wasn't the case. You had a lot of open land and you had the railway, the railway that came through, and along the railway at the different stations, you had these communities just beginning to develop, new communities developing, where there were no church buildings yet, okay? And so here's this group meeting in the home of William Trites, starting out with 12 members, and they called themselves, this was the name, this was the original name. Are you ready for this? I have to read this because it's a lot of words. The original name was the first particular Baptist church of the township of Ridley. Whew. Let me say that again. The first particular Baptist church of the township of Ridley. Now, you may be thinking, wait a minute, isn't that area Prospect Park and isn't that Interboro? Yeah, well, this was the olden days when Ridley Township was much bigger. And so they were known as the first particular Baptist church of the township of Ridley, meeting in that home of William Trites. But by 1832, the congregation was outgrowing their space. They were getting too big to meet in this dude's home. Now, what do we say? What do we Christian people say when you're doing a thing and it gets too big? We say, well, that's a good problem to have, right? That's a good problem to have. But it's a problem that requires a solution. Now, can you imagine? Can you put yourself in that situation? Can you imagine being a member of that church and what kind of, I don't know, efforts you would have made to seek out? I'm sure there was praying. There's praying happening. We need a new space. Where are we going to meet? What are we going to do? So there was probably some praying involved and some maybe seeking out options. Where can we meet? Is there a bigger space? Where can we meet? Well, it just so happened that William Trites, he owned, like I said, a lot of land. And so he believed in what this group was doing. They were meeting in his home. He was a part of this movement. And so he donated some of his land so that this congregation could build what they called a meeting house, right? We would call it a church building nowadays. They called it a meeting house. It's interesting to see, again, just the different terms that we use. You know, around here, I try to be very intentional. When I talk about this building, I call it the church building as opposed to just calling it the church. You know why we do that? Is because the church is the people. 
The church is the people that filled the building, right? The church is the people. And so they called it a meeting house, not a church. And so they built a meeting house right there in what is now Prospect Park. And that meeting house is still there. If you're familiar with Prospect Hill Baptist Church, show of hands. Anybody know where that church is? Okay, that's where they run the loaves and fishes out of that church, okay? So that was their first meeting house. Can you imagine the celebration to go from like a home church thing and it gets so big that you need a space and then God shows up and provides a space and then to build a meeting house right here in the township of Ridley. How exciting that must have been. And the congregation grew. I mean, what they were doing was working. They were sharing the gospel with people. The congregation's growing and growing. But by the, 18, by the 1870s, they were outgrowing their space yet again. How about that? And what do we say? That's a good problem to have, but it's a problem that requires a solution. Again, we don't know exactly what the process is like. I assume there's a lot of praying, God, give us a space. God, show us a way. What are we going to do? Well, it just so happened in the early 1870s, the borough of Ridley Park was being developed, okay? And you had some land developers right here in this area, and they were simply referred to as the Ridley Park Association. They were developing this land. Communities were starting to form. And these land developers, they wanted a church in the borough of Ridley Park. Can you imagine that? Like, that's probably not a thing that would happen today. Some land developers saying, you know, we've got a Costco here. We've got a shopping center. We've got some condos. We could use a church over there. That probably wouldn't happen today. But in 18, 1870, it was happening. They wanted a church in this area. And so they reached out to this congregation, the first particular Baptist church of the township of Ridley, reached out to them and said, hey, you're outgrowing your space. We would like a church in our borough here. Would you consider moving all the way over here? If you do so, we're going to sell you some land at a great rate. We're going to sell you a plot of land where you can build your church for $1. For $1. You pay us $1, you get the land. What do you think? And they probably, oh, I don't know, is that a good deal? Should we do this? Of course they went for it. And so they purchased this land, the land that we're sitting on right now, purchased this land for the grand total of $1. They built this structure that we're now in. Stones from the local quarries were, were used. They built this building, and it stands to this day. And this building was completed in 1873. And so that's the story of this church, but the story... The story doesn't stop there. And so having moved over here, the name was changed to the First Baptist Church of Ridley Park, and this is actually, literally, the first Baptist church in Ridley Park. But not only that, this was the first church building built in Ridley Park, not just Baptist church, but of any church. It's the first one. That's something, right? I think that's pretty neat. The first one ever in this borough. And the story from there continues because once again, <laughs> what happened? Once again, they started to fill, that congregation started to fill this space. I mean, when we look around at this space, like, well, you can fit a bunch of people in here, but they started to outgrow this space. Nowadays, most of us are familiar with, uh, with big churches, with mega churches, with churches that can hold thousands of people, and that's a thing, and that's great. But that wasn't a thing back then. That wasn't even a thought back then. Right? And by the way, just speaking of big church, speaking of mega church, I don't think mega church is bad or good. They can be bad, they can be good, whatever. But that wasn't a thing back then. That's the only thing I'm saying. That wasn't even a thing back then. And so what did the church do when they outgrew this space, when they were beginning to outgrow this space? 
Well, I'll tell you what they did. They planted another church. They planted another church. Just think about this. It started in some guy's home, got their own building, outgrew that space, moved into a new building, and now they're planting another church. And so here's what happens. In 1886, 72 members of this congregation moved back to their old meeting house in Prospect Park, what's now Prospect Park. And they called themselves Prospect Hill Baptist Church, which is there to this day. How about that, right? Did you know that? It's like, oh, how about that? So First Baptist Church of Ridley Park isn't just a church. It's a church that has a history of planting other churches. How about that? And so time moves on, but that, see, that's not the end of the story because they continue to outgrow this space. That's what happens. That's what happens when you're a healthy church. Things grow. Healthy things grow. I believe that. And so in 1897, a group of 24 people left this church to plant yet another church in Crum Lynn. Crumlin Baptist Church. In fact, that's, that's standing there to this day. If you drive down Chester Pike, you'll see, um, you'll see the big, it's, I think it's a Ukrainian church, and then next to it is this church of Crumlin. You know, on your way to Walmart, does anybody know what I'm talking about? It's that little church. There's no parking there. It's a little church back there, right? And so this church had now planted not one, but two other churches. Not only that, but later on, they were influential in planting First Baptist Church of Chester, and so here you go. Again, context. Starts in somebody's home, becomes one, two, three, four churches. But then, here's an interesting little side story, okay? This is, this is weird. So back in, back in 1840, this was when they were at their original meeting house. Back in 1840, they sent out a team on a preaching mission, okay? And so um, we know what missionaries are. They go and they travel to places to expose people to the gospel. Okay? So they sent out a preaching team right in the local community. And so that preaching team was responsible for starting up Glen Olden Presbyterian Church. How did that happen, right? How did a group of Baptists somehow have influence in creating a Presbyterian church? I don't know. Maybe this whole dropping our denominational ties thing isn't so new after all. And so think about this. Again, what started in somebody's home became not one, not two, not three, not four, but five churches right here in our community. Started as a small group of Christians led by a 21-year-old, I mean kid, aren't you, aren't you a kid at 21, right? 21-year-old young man had become five gospel-oriented churches. How about that? Let's applaud for that. Isn't that exciting? Wow! That's remarkable. That's remarkable. Now, let me fast forward ahead to the year 2012. That's a year a lot of us remember, maybe vaguely remember, right? In June of 2012, Hope Community Church, we held our first worship service at the luxurious Wyndham Garden Hotel in Essington, yes? And I'm using the term luxurious sarcastically, but it was a meeting place. And so we met there for a stretch and what started as a small group Bible study in the home of Josh and Karen Peterkin had now become a church plant. And the sole reason that Hope Community Church was planted, the sole intention was to share the gospel. I mean, we weren't out to plant a church for Christian people because there's plenty of those that already exist. The purpose was to start a church for people who don't yet know Jesus as their Savior a church where we could expose people to the gospel. And that was the goal. You know, right here in this Ridley-Innerborough area, there are about 60,000 people that live here. 
We've got 60,000 neighbors, and we want to expose every one of them, every man, woman, and child to the gospel. We want them to be repeatedly exposed to the gospel. We want them to hear the gospel, to see the gospel, to experience the gospel. We want to create a church where people can come in and have their questions and have their doubts, where we can have an opportunity to make our case and to make our pleas, to plead with people, to show them the truth of the gospel, a church where people can take their time in understanding the gospel. You could call it a gospel church, you can call it a mission church, you can call it a missional church, but that has always been the goal of Hope Community Church. And so we started there in that luxurious hotel, and by the February of 2013, we found a new home in the Barnstormers Theater just down the way there. And then on October 12th, I had to look up this date. On October 12th, I met with two guys who were the pastors of this church. I was walking along, and on the sign just in front of this church building, I saw two new names pastoring this church. It was Pastor Walter Spall, hey Walter, and Pastor John Mock. John? <laughs> and I had a meeting with these guys, just, just to talk through some ideas of maybe we could share space, or maybe we could rent, or maybe it could be whatever it is. And so I walked into this meeting, and, and I'll tell you now, guys, I was expecting to see two old dudes, right? Because I was used to being the young pastor in conversations, and then all of a sudden I'm meeting with two younger guys. I'm like, when did this happen? When did I become the old pastor? So anyway, we sat down. We had some conversation. Somebody threw out the term merge. I don't know who it was, but we just started talking through ideas, talking through ideas, and that began on October 12th of 2014. Over the years, there were many conversations that took place between our leadership and the leadership of First Baptist. Conversations over coffee, conversations over lunches, conversations over breakfast, just dreaming and thinking about what could possibly be. By late in 2018, Hope Community Church had outgrown our space. We got too big for the theater. And what do we say? That's a good problem to have, but it's a problem that requires a solution. In spring of 2019, Pastor John and I began to meet on a weekly basis just to discuss possibilities. And Pastor Walter had moved on by that point. And so we talked, Pastor John and I, and various uh, proposals were written, various ideas came out. And eventually we landed on an idea we both thought would work. And Pastor John presented that proposal to the board of directors of the First Baptist Church of Ridley Park. And that proposal went on to a church-wide vote. And in January of 2020, just before the chaos broke out. In January of 2020, this property was gifted by the congregation of First Baptist Church of Ridley Park to the congregation of Hope Community Church. Well, actually, technically it wasn't gifted, all right? Technically it was sold. You guessed it. You guessed it. For one dollar. Anybody else have goosebumps? For one dollar. For one dollar. What once was sold to the First Baptist for a dollar was now being gifted to us for one dollar. If you step back, and I know times have changed and things are different, if you step back and gain some perspective, you will see there are many parallels between the First Baptist Church of Ridley Park and their history and Hope Community Church and our history. And we hope that those parallels continue because it is our dream and our hope to outgrow this space just like the First Baptist did. 
we hope to outgrow this space so that we can follow along with that tradition of planting other churches right here in this community. And by the grace of God, we pray that that is His destiny for us, that we would be a church that plants other churches. There are many parallels when you consider our histories, our common histories. Take a look at that passage in your bulletin from John chapter 17. This is the prayer that Jesus prays at what we call the Last Supper. It's just a a small portion of the prayer that he prays. He prays for himself. He prays for the disciples there in the room. He prays for the future generations of believers. And what is his prayer for us? First off, let's pause for a moment and just consider how wild that is. That Jesus prays for us. So he prays for us. And what is his prayer for us? Unity. Unity. That we may be one that we may be one. Verse 23, I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Why? Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Our unity, our oneness united in Jesus, that's going to be a testimony in and of itself to the world that Jesus really is who he claimed to be, the Son of the living God. At this time in our worship service, I need to take a moment, a few moments, to recognize some very special, important people who have made this transition possible for us. And the first person I need to recognize is Mr. William Moffat. Mr. William Moffat just recently passed. He passed on September 16th. And many of you know him. Many of you love him. And you know his legacy, and you know his history. Uh, Mr. Moffat was a lifelong member of this congregation and served this congregation and this community in many different ways. Uh, Mr. Moffat, also known as Bud, um, his mom's name was Jane, her maiden name was Napier, and the Napier family goes all the way back to before this building was built. The Napiers were part of this church from before the beginning of this building. How about that? And so Mr. Moffat had a long history in this building and a long history serving this church. He served as a deacon, and I'm told that one of his wishes was to serve as a deacon up to the day he went home to the Lord. And praise God, he did just that. Amen. Amen. And so I know he's no longer with us here, but he is at home and he is in heaven. And as odd as this may seem, I think we should give him a round of applause for his service. And today, as you're walking through this building, and I encourage you to do just that, you will see the name Moffat, and they appear in several different spots just to show the legacy. Uh, We want to continue to keep their family in prayer, and we want to continue to celebrate the legacy of Mr. Moffat. There's a few other people I would like to recognize, and I'm taking the risk of embarrassing you, but I'm going to ask Mr. Gates and Mr. and Mrs. Rooney to please stand at this time. Would you please stand and remain standing as you're able? Let's give them a round of applause. Please remain standing. You can stand. 
Mr. and Mrs. Rooney and Mr. Gates have served on the board of directors of Ridley Park Baptist Church, and again, this transition would not be possible without them. As they are standing, I'm going to ask Pastor Walter to stand, and I know you're not a pastor anymore, but you'll always be a pastor here. Please stand along with Pastor John. Without you... And your hard work, this would not be possible right now. I'm going to ask all the members of the First Baptist Congregation to please stand as you are able at this time. Please stand. Don't be shy. Please stand as you are able. And let's give them a round of applause. Thank you. The only reason that we have a home is because of you. And now I'd like everyone to stand. Please all stand at this time. Everyone. Everyone stand as you are able, and take a look around you. Once upon a time, we were two. Once upon a time, we were two congregations. We were First Baptist and Hope Community. Once upon a time, we were us and them. From this point forward, there's no more us and them. (laughs) From this point forward, there's only us. Let us be one. And let our unity be a reflection to our surrounding community. Let our unity be a reflection of Christ's love. Let's pray on that. Father God, we thank you for what you have done through so many generations. And Father, I pray that this congregation, that we would continue, that we would continue on this legacy of sharing the gospel, continue on this legacy of planting more churches so that more and more people would find you, Jesus, as their Savior. Father, we thank you for the generations who have come before us. We stand on their shoulders, and we ask that you would please allow us and enable us to continue the work that they have begun. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.